The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. The reading ends. Thank you, Claire. Let's just pray before we start. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here by your Spirit. We thank you, Lord God, that you are with us, that you are for us, that you like us and you love us. So just come, Holy Spirit, now. Just reveal your word to us, Lord. Open our hearts that we would experience you, our eyes that we would see you, our ears that we would hear you. Come, Holy Spirit, just reveal your love to us. Be speaking throughout, we pray. Amen. I just want to add my welcome uh, to Libby. I've not met you. My name's Paul. I'm one of the associate ministers here. It'd be great to uh, meet you at the end. Say hello. Come and find me uh, if I've not met you. I remember being an intern uh, in New York. I went out on September the 1st, 2001. So I was there 10 days before the planes hit uh, the World Trade Center. And it was a, a really crazy time um, going to visit children, seeing children, um, that had seen the towers fall, going round 
praying with them, talking with them, looking at pictures that they're drawn of the planes hitting the towers. It was a really um, surreal time, if I'm being honest. I was out there to be uh, an intern to train in children's ministry. And part of the training was actually to go and visit all the children that would come to the Sunday school. In fact, this was the core, this was the heart of the ministry. There was 30,000 children that were ministered to each week, 60,000 at Christmas. But every single child got visited through the week and invited to Sunday school. The pastor of the ministry and the pastor of the church, he himself would go out with somebody else and he would go and knock on the doors and invite the children to church. And the areas that we would go and minister, uh, minister to and preach and, and talk to the children, they were actually quite run down, quite deprived areas, quite scary areas of New York. In fact, the pastor of the church, whilst he was out visiting the children, he'd been hit in the face with a brick, he'd had a bottle smashed over his face and he'd been set on fire. So we would go out and we would go knocking on the doors and we would go in these high-rise flats and we would work our way up the floors to visit the children that were on our clipboard, second, third, fourth, fifth floor and so on. We had a list of children that we should minister to and invite to church. And I remember this one day when I was out with my fellow intern, a girl called Susanna, and it was just two of us walking through this quite rough area in New York, approaching these quite big high-rise flats. And we were working our way up the, um, up the floors. And I just got this sense that God said, don't go on the seventh floor. And I was like, well, that's a bit weird because we, we need to go on the seventh floor. I've got a clipboard. And it says on my clipboard that we need to visit children on the seventh floor. In fact, I think I've got a, a photograph just for our... Uh, enjoyment of when I was doing this was like 18 years ago or something is there a picture of me out there you go now this was pre-beard I look about 12 I know but there's the clipboard I've got the powerful clipboard in hand and why would I not go on the seventh floor because on that clipboard it tells me that I've got three children that I need to visit on that floor so I don't know if you're anything like me, but when you kind of get this sense, you know, you kind of brush it off. And I was thinking I've probably watched a horror movie and it's something about the seventh floor that's coming back to me. So I'm just being really cautious and I'm being silly. Uh, but I had this sense that wouldn't go away. It was like a feeling. It was like the Spirit of God kind of breathing on the back of me. It was like this inner knowing. It was like this voice going round and round in my head. Don't go on the seventh floor. Choose another floor, but not the seventh floor. Don't go on the seventh floor. And I remember taking a photograph of the corridors that you would walk through uh, that would kind of lead you into the corridor. And these are photographs of one of the doors and the windows on the floor. Now, I was wondering, what is this on the door? These are actually bullet holes in the glass. So if you can see that person behind is me looking through the window at the bullet holes that had been shot in the corridors that we would go and minister to the children in. And just this sense, don't go on the seventh floor. So I eventually kind of had a wrestle with God. I usually lose when I have a wrestle with God. So I kind of said to my intern friend, I said, oh, look, I don't think we should go on the seventh floor. She said, we've got to go on the seventh floor. It's on the clipboard. We've got children to visit. I said, I know, I know, I know, I know it sounds strange, but let's not go on the seventh floor. Let's just avoid it. So we went a different way. We went on to the eighth floor. And we saw some children on the eighth floor. And after a little while, this feeling kind of died down. This sense kind of like 
and came into peace. This voice kind of stopped. I felt totally different about the seventh floor, and I was like, look, let's, let's go down the seventh floor. So we went down a different route and then got onto the seventh floor, and as we got to the seventh floor, right where the place where we would have been had we gone onto the seventh floor, there was a heroin addict, and he had a needle in his hand, and he'd been shooting up, and he came to attack us. Now, because he'd sh- been shooting up, and we were kind of on another floor whilst it was doing it. The drugs had actually kicked in. And he actually wasn't in a place where he could have done much harm. As he tried to attack, as he tried to approach us and so on, we were actually able to get away. Now, I don't know what would have happened if I had not listened to that voice. Had I gone on the seventh floor at that time, I don't know if I would be telling that story here now today. And it's interesting, isn't it, when we open ourselves up to God and we think, God, you're speaking to us. The Spirit of God communicates to us. It might sound weird. It might go beyond our understanding. It might make no sense. We've got children to visit on the seventh floor. But the Lord wants to communicate. He wants to speak to us. He wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. And he's very willing to go above and beyond to get our attention. Well, you may have noticed that we have been doing... A series, we've started a series, sorry, on the Holy Spirit. And I think it's an amazing theme, it's an amazing subject, it's an amazing timely thing that we are doing this. You know, ultimately we are guided by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. We have the Word of God, we read it and the Spirit highlights scriptures to us and he leads us and he guides us ultimately through the Word of God. We know that, we believe that, we trust in that. But the Spirit also leads us as well by a compelling sort of sense. He leads us in ways that actually in our day-to-day, when we're out and about at work or whatever it is, He leads us by the way of promptings and nudges and breadcrumbs and clues and things that just come back to us and conversations. He highlights things to us and the Spirit leads us. So today we're going to be looking at what might it look like to be led by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8 says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are called children of God. It's an amazing thing, I think, that we're looking at the Holy Spirit as a theme. I think that God is going to do incredible things. I had a dinner last night with a great friend of mine from New Zealand. He's one of the most spirit-filled men of God I know, an incredible guy. And he's coming and looking at different revivals that's happened at the Outer Hebrides and so on. But, but just the sense that he gets is like that God is going to do something amazing in Scotland. Like God's going to do something great in Scotland. And it's exciting and it's amazing and we believe it. God, do something in Scotland. When we were doing LC19, I took a team of people out on Calton Hill and we looked out over Edinburgh and I just saw in my mind's eye this huge wingspan of a bird just hovering over Edinburgh. Like the Spirit of God, like a dove over Edinburgh, just hovering over the city and beyond. The presence of God, Holy Spirit being with us. He's and Jesus, a staff team went away uh, and a staff pastor from HTB, Holy Trinity Brompton, and he came and he said, the next season that you may be going into may be marked out by the Holy Spirit. And it's exciting as we are looking at the Spirit of God. Last week, Libby did a great job of reminding us that the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that we read about in the New Testament, was present at the beginning of time. In the creation narrative, that you see that the Spirit of God was hovering 
over the waters of the deep. You see it in creation as well, as, as this, this word ruach, this Hebrew word, the spirit of God, the presence of God, the breath of God, breathing into mankind and allowing man to come alive. We know in the Old Testament that the Spirit of God came upon specific people at specific times for specific reasons. And this is what's happening here. When we read in Samuel, the Spirit of God is coming upon Samuel. He's leading, he's guiding him, he's directing him to do something incredible that's going to bring glory to God in the years to come. Let's look and unpack the scripture verse. We see that in uh, verse 1, Samuel um, is anointing, is, is coming to anoint David. He's saying that he's, he's mourning over the fact that Saul's messed up. Saul's failed in his leadership. He's failed as a king, how he's ruled and so on. And now God has to get involved. And God is looking for himself, he's providing for himself a king. Somebody else that's going to step into it. Now it's interesting because actually in the ESV version of this, this word, I've chosen one, um, actually they use the word provided. And when you look at provided in Hebrew, it literally means to see. So God is saying, I have saw, I have seen a king that I'm going to use. God has foresaw it before it's actually happened. God is rolling out the script before it's even been before them. So he's authoring the scroll of their story before it's even been unrolled. God says to him, look, I'm going to show you what to do. In verse 3, he says, go to Jesse, do what I've asked you to do. And when you're there, I'm going to show you what to do. I'm going to ask you to anoint somebody that I will indicate, not you. You don't, you don't say who it is. I'm going to tell you who it is. I'll indicate to you who this person is going to be. Now, God hasn't given him a name. He's not given him a description. He's not given him a picture. He's not given him a little sketch. He's just said, just go and do it, and I'll tell you on the way. I'll tell you there on the spot, actually. And there's this reliance on God, these ears to open, to say, God, what are you doing? Verse 6 says this, that Samuel saw Elab, and he thought, surely this is the guy. I mean, just look at him. Look how handsome he is. Look how great he is. It's a little bit like he's got his CV and he's flicking through the CV and he's like, oh my gosh, on paper, this is the guy. Surely this is the king. In the lineup, this is the guy. Like if I was going to choose, this is the guy that I would choose. And God says, no, that's, that's not him. Are we willing as people to actually submit to God and say, well, God, this is what I would do. This is what I would choose. But actually, it's not about me. Actually, you know better than me. Actually, you see things bigger and beyond what I can see. And it might not make any sense. And it goes above my intelligence. And it goes above my understanding. But actually, I trust you. I trust you that you know more. I trust you that you are doing something. So verse 7 the Lord said to Samuel, don't consider his appearance, his height, or anything else, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that we look at, but the Lord looks at the heart. Praise God that the Lord looks at the heart, that he sees the things that's going on in here, that he knows us inside out. Praise God that he's got a better viewpoint from, than we have. Praise God, because our understanding is limited. Our intelligence is limited. You know, when you look up the word vantage point, you look up the word vantage, it says this. It's a place, especially a high place, that provides a good, clear view. 
God's got the best vantage point. Like God sees what's going on. He sees what's on the seventh floor. He sees what's happening next. He sees what's going on in the heart of man. He sees what's going on in the conversations that we don't hear. God sees the all-seeing, all-knowing God. He sees it. And you might be down in, in, the, in the city, in the buildings, and all you can see is the stuff that you can see around. But God's sitting from a different point. He looks down, he sees the next street, he sees the next chapter, he sees what he's doing. And God wants to call you up to a high place. He wants to sit with you and he wants to say, look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. You're not going to understand it. It maybe makes no sense to you. It's maybe painful. It's maybe hard. But I've got this. Like, Look at what I'm doing. I'm doing something that you may not know yet. Verse 8 then, um, Jesse calls in... Uh, Abinadab. Can I just say, this has been a nightmare for me. I'm dyslexic. So that reading this and doing this, I'm like, this is an absolute nightmare. When I was reading it, I was like, thank goodness, David. Yeah, if it was me that I was choosing, like, King Abinadab. No, that doesn't sound great. Did you say there was a David? King David sounds great. I mean, I thought, you know, that's really easy to say. Let's go with King David. Like, that would have been my choice. But, you know, these men are brought before Jesse, and it's like, oh, definitely, oh, yeah, definitely, oh, definitely. And it's like, no, 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 no. Seven sons, I thought I had kids, many kids. Seven sons pass by him, and it's none of them. And can you feel Samuel's pain? Just pause there for a moment. Like, have you ever been in a place where it's like, God, did I get this wrong? Like, you, you, you told me to do this, but I've seen seven people now. And you're saying, no, 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 no. Like, are you joking? Like, are you being cruel? What is this about? And just before he throws the towel in and he goes back with the tail between his legs, saying, I got it wrong, guys, I'm sorry. He has one last push. And he's like, have you got any other sons? <laughs> you can feel his desperation, can't you? And he's like, oh, yeah, there is. He's out in the fields. And like, Jesse didn't even consider bringing David into the lineup. Didn't even consider how often geniuses are hidden in the shadows. How often are there people that we would just not consider, but God sees. God knows their heart. God knows their calling. God knows what he's going to do with them. They're not in our lineup, but they're in God's lineup because he knows best. Brings David in and it's like, da-da! Samuel's heart races. His heart begins to sing, and he gets up, and in front of all his brothers, he anoints David to be king. And what happens? The scripture says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon David powerfully. What an amazing story. What an amazing lesson. God is at work. He is willing to work with us, with our questions, with our doubts, with our insecurities and everything else. And he's willing to work with us because he's got a plan and he wants to achieve it in and through us. What an amazing thing. You know, how important it was for Samuel to anoint David. Like, just think about it. Thinking about David's life, the courage to kill giants, the stories that we tell about David. He authored 75 of the Psalms in the Bible. We sing songs today for hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, we've been singing the songs that King David wrote. He led kingdoms. He built temples. King David did great things. Yes, the elephant in the room. 
adultery. But what an amazing picture of repentance, of coming to God and saying, I have messed up. And the Psalms of lament, the Psalms of mourning, the Psalms of forgiveness. And Lord, please forgive me. It's an amazing story that we use time and time again of God restoring someone. Finally, David gives way to Jesus. We know that in Matthew 1, we trace it back, that we get to Jesus when we see David's line, the lineage of him. Question then, who knows what God might be doing when we take these little steps like Samuel did? Who knows what God can see that we can't? What might the Holy Spirit be nudging us to do? And we've brushed it off. Could we explore it a bit more? Could we press in a bit more? Could we ask people a bit more? Is there stuff that God might be doing? You know, we often say, and I think it's right to do so, we often say, come Holy Spirit. In a church context, we stand, we wait on God, and we say, come Holy Spirit. But I also think, you know, there's times when we're out there where the Spirit of God says, you come here, I'm doing something. You come here. I'm doing something. In your workplace, you come here. I'm doing something. I want to use you. I want to show you something. It might not make sense, but I'm going to do something in and through you. These little nudges, these little senses that we get. Spirit of God wants to invite us in to the things that we're doing. I'm going to invite uh, Tim uh, to come up. Tim Frew is going to come up and he's going to share a little story just of these little nudges that the Spirit of God might have been leading and, and uh, moving him on. Uh, in his day today. This is uh, Mike number one. You go, Tim. Tell us uh, what it is that you do for, for a job. So, hi, my name's Tim. I'm Chief Executive of uh, YouthLink Scotland, which is the National Agency for Youth Work. Amazing. And Tim, you've been on uh, an interesting sort of spiritual journey recently. God's been kind of nudging you. The Spirit's been kind of just speaking to you. Do you want to say a little bit about that? Yeah, so in a range of ways, I guess when I was a lot younger, I felt these nudges quite a lot. Right. And God was really quite direct with things, prompts, things um, all the time. And um, then over time, um, it's not that God's Spirit hasn't spoken to me, but maybe I've been a bit safe. Maybe I've, I don't know what, maybe I've compartmentalized um, who God is. But God is, you know, in all places, isn't he? He's in your work. He's in your family life. He's, there's no place that he isn't. So I think, um, especially with uh, some of your preaching, actually, as well, um, other preachers are available and very good, but I think <laughs> when, when you spoke, <laughs> but when you spoke, um, especially in your first sermon, um, actually, I think you, you reminded me of that sort of that boldness um, to just kind of walk in to expect God to do things and mm-hmm. to speak and to nudge and to prompt. And um, I think there is, as you say, there's something um, for us all to be thinking about in terms of what God might do through us in all sorts of small ways, idiosyncratic ways that we couldn't imagine, as well as the big stuff like your job and being a dad and all that stuff. Yeah. So with that in mind, these nudgings, the sort of be brave, be courageous and so on, just tell us a little story, something that kind of happened uh, with you recently. So yeah, I was at the conference uh, this week and it was fab. um, And um, around about the Tuesday lunchtime, I'm gluten-free and I hadn't eaten much during the day. So I thought, I'm going to go and get some lunch. And I was feeling not, not great, I actually had a bit of a headache, a little bit nauseous. And I thought, I'll head back to work, I'm based near Haymarket, and I'll go to the safe place that I know, which is the gluten-free, where you can walk in and it's all gluten-free. You don't have to think, is it a bit of this and a bit of that? 
Um, but I was really feeling unwell, and I, I sat down at the table, and I've been in once or twice, well, more than a few times, but don't tell my wife, because I'm going to eat my packed lunch, so anyway, that's another one. But I've been in a few times, okay, with different people, and um, uh, so the guy that owns the place, let's call him Ben, um, so I'm sitting down, and I've got like loads of paracetamol and ibuprofen and water sitting there. He's thinking, this is not a normal day for Titten. <laughs> um, there's lots of stuff. He, says, and he said, are you okay? And I said, I'm just feeling not, not 100% today. Um, and then he started talking about his pain um, and his chronic pain. And he had back pain. He had a big knot here. Um, he had a pain in his knee, pain all over. And he really started talking in a lot of detail about this, which was more than our normal sort of, hi, how you doing? Lovely day out there. <laughs> give me my nice panini and cup of coffee and all the rest of it. Um, and I really felt prompted by God saying to me, you need to pray for him. And I'm like, okay, right, okay. So, um, so I managed to mumble something along the lines of, um, well, you know, you could pray about it. Somewhere in the middle of everything else that I was saying. So it was a, it was a really mumbly, weak effort. It was like, oh, you could pray about it. And, and that, that wasn't going to hang. Mm. So it was something stronger than that that needed to happen. There was a verse or something, wasn't there, you were saying? What? So, um, yeah, there's a verse. So I, I, said to, I said to God, as you do, sitting there, mm, I'm not sure, this, this feels a bit, what do you mean? But it was, just, it was just, no, that's not enough, Tim. You've really got to pray about it. And I said, so I did that thing, and this is the modern equivalent of taking the Bible and sticking your finger, and you really shouldn't do this, <laughs> but, you know, the verse for the day app. So I said, well, you've really got to make this clear, Lord. So the verse for the day, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our, our sins and heals all our, our, our diseases. Psalm 103, 2 to 3. So, you know, the word heals comes up, and I'm like, all oh, right, okay. Okay, so I'm going to have to do more. So what I did was... Um, I actually felt uncomfortable. I thought, let's just be honest. Let's share this with a guy. I said, look, I'm a Christian. There's, there's some Spanish tourists uh, enjoying the, 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 the um, gluten-free food. Um, in the middle of all of this, and I said, look, I'm a Christian, um, and he looked a little bit surprised. I said, oh, I wouldn't have put you down just being a Christian. So that's, that's a whole other story. That's a whole other story. Got, is that a good thing? Is that not a good thing? You know, um, anyway, um, so I really got the sense that I'm going to have to, uh, I'd like to pray for you, and I don't normally do this sort of thing, but come over here a second, come over. I, I prayed about it, and then this is the verse of the day, and God's saying, no, I really do need to pray. Would you be okay for me to do that for you? And he went, well, I, I, yeah, I kind of don't, not sure what I believe, you know, there might be something else other out there, but I'm not really convinced about it. But yeah, sure, go ahead. And that's really it. So I just prayed for him Amazing. standing there okay. in, the, in, the, in the shop. Um, I sometimes take work colleagues there and other, other people. So he knows me in a different context. Yeah. He realized then that I might be praying. So he said, uh, when I go in the morning, he says, oh, you're sitting with your head down reading stuff. Is that you praying and stuff? And I was like, well, sometimes. Oh, I'll ask my mum not to disturb you then. Mm. And I was like, no, 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 that's fine, that's fine. So that's the end of the story. I've it's not amazing. been back since, yeah. but I'll trust that to God. It's amazing. And what I love about that is that there's then moments where you can decide. You say, okay, I can just wrap this up and walk out and leave it and live with the sort of slight guilt of like, ah, oh, there was more. I could have done more, should have done more. But you leaned in, you pressed into it, you, you pushed it a bit further and said, okay, God, you're going to have to show me. This is scary. The scripture verse, the nudging and so on. And, and you, you went for it and were obedient in it. And that's amazing. And, and that's, that's brilliant. What would you say to us then here at P's and G's? What would you say to us as a, as a family, as a community, as, as people that are trying to live this out in our workplaces? What would your encouragement be? Yeah, I, th I think just to be encouraged that God wants to use us in, in ways that we maybe can't imagine mm. and not to compartmentalize God. So sometimes maybe I've done that in terms of 
that was then, this is now. I'm recognizing that in the, in the role I'm in at the moment, but also in other things I do as a volunteer, as a dad, there's no limits to where God might work. So why should I limit what I pray about, what I think about, how I ask God's Holy Spirit to, to, to lead and guide me in, in all that I do? So just to step into that and expect a few uncomfortable surprises. I suppose the only other thing is that we believe in a supernatural God, don't we? Mm. And uh, the whole thing about being supernatural is it's, it's beyond nature. Therefore, it's going to take you beyond your comfort zone. Yeah. That is what, what we should expect. That's amazing. That's brilliant. Let's give Tim a round of applause. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate that. So to step into that and to experience some of that, we want to be people who are led by the Spirit. We want to be people who are guided by the Spirit, but we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to rely on the Spirit of God. We need to be empowered by the Spirit of God to do that, to be courageous, to step into them things. So why don't we just stand now together and we're just going to ask God to empower us to speak to us. Jesus, come. Come, Lord God. Jesus, thank you, Father. Lord, we wait for you. Jesus, Spirit, lead us where our trust is without borders. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Come, Jesus, minister. Thank you, Father. So just encourage you just to take up a position, uh, just to put your hands out in front of you, just as an expectant child would receive from his father, his parents that would want to give to them. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. More of you, God. More of you. We're not in any rush. Wait on his presence. As people have throughout scripture. We wait for you, God. Come. Come. More of you. More of you, Jesus. Come. Let it come. Spirit of God, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Jesus, come. Come. More of you. More of you. Father, we pray an anointing now on over our ears, Lord Jesus. You would open our ears that, Father, we would be sheep that would know the shepherd's voice. Come now, Lord, open, widen our ears that we would hear your voice. Bless, Lord God, our hearing. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord God, do it, Father. Do it, Lord Jesus. Come. Come, Lord God. More of you. More of you. Thank you for what you are doing. It's clear to see as we look out that the Spirit of God is touching people, ministering, he's pouring out his presence, empowering us, equipping us. Come, Lord, fill us more. Fill us more with your presence. Jesus, come. Come, Lord God. More of you, God. More of you, Jesus. Come, Father. Come, Lord God. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your doing. Thank you, Father. Jesus, come. Jesus, come. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. More of you. More of you, Jesus, come. Reveal yourself to us. 
Reveal yourself to us. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just remain in this moment, in his presence. I feel like tonight, today, God wants to really just encourage us that he sees our lives and he wants to direct us. That some people here are feeling like, I really want that. I want what Tim is saying. It scares me, but I want to live an adventurous life as a Christian. I believe that God wants to bless that this morning. He wants to just empower you for that lifestyle, that way of living. Others have got big decisions to make, and you just need the Spirit of God to guide you and lead you. We'd love to pray for you. Others may have got that sense, as just I was praying, that your ears are ringing, or there's just a sense like your ears are burning, like, Lord, are you opening my ears that I may hear you? Maybe for the first time. Maybe you've not heard the voice of God speak for a while. I believe that God wants to minister to you as well this morning.